What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron Marley, and this is the Voice in the Wilderness podcast. In today's episode, we finish up our series on deliverance, and we really talk about what all goes into a deliverance session. So let's get right into the show. Okay, so on today's episode, we're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of what deliverance ministry is and what kind of like going through a session is all like is all about but before we get in depth with that was there any kind of loose ends uh you wanted to tie up before we get started yeah i'd like to wrap up uh, a number of loose ends because in our previous program we've actually had some rather wide-ranging discussion and touched on a number of things but i want to basically tie up a few of them so that we can uh, move on to the current topic Uh, One of the things that we talked about at length was ways in which people, and particularly Christians, uh, can open doors uh, to demonic influence in life and things they need to avoid. There's actually two more really briefly that I'd like to mention because they are very important. Um, Of the number of things that basically can open a door to demonic influence in people's lives, one should seriously beware of any kind of association uh, with secret societies. Um, Secret societies uh, are quite often uh, steeped in the occult. They have uh, rituals that actually have meanings, but the person who is actually participating in the ritual uh, is only given a surface understanding of what it is whereas what it actually symbolizes is quite something different and something much darker. Uh, Also, uh, in many uh, secret societies, uh, there are a number of oaths that are often taken. And as we've seen uh, in previous programs, uh, demonic entities are legalists. They are looking for a legal pretext so that they can be given permission to work in somebody's lives. And so getting involved with secret societies uh, is a really uh, a foolish thing to do. Uh, many of these people who get involved with secret societies, basically they don't think of it as any different than basically a Lions Club or a, maybe a it's Rotary a Club. Yeah. yeah, they think of it like the Kiwanis or basically some sort of civic group. It's that thing you did in college and you're like, well, you know. And so what they do is they think, well, this is a good way for me to make social contacts, business contacts, uh, you know, and. and um, be a bigger deal in the community. Uh, yeah, be seen as, you know, a, a active member in community affairs and all that. And so they really don't think of it as a different than uh, public uh community groups and so what happens is they really don't understand that when you get to the higher echelons of these yeah uh, the people who are at the top of the food chain actually understand what it's really all about and they tend to look at the people lower on the ladder as simply useful tools 
uh, tools that make them look good in the community, makes their organizations look good in the community, and who can be easily manipulated and and basically taken advantage of. They're good um, PR. Unless they prove to be people who can be cultivated and brought up into the much darker side. And that's really a thing that happens with a lot of these activities that we talked about that people get involved with yeah. in various things that they call it. Many of these people actually have this strange idea that they're actually doing some sort of good. And while their intentions are good, th as the old <laughs> uh, saying goes, we know what that pay, what road is being paved with oh, those yeah. good intentions. And so we understand that many times a lot of these people, and I, I said this on a previous program, these people are not malevolent in their intentions, yeah. but they are seriously deceived. And so they unknowingly do evil without even understanding that they're doing evil. It's when you get into the higher up and you understand that people are really doing sick and twisted malevolently people. These are the horrors. These are the monsters that basically people need to uh, really understand. And so we need to be in prayer, first of all, for those who are seriously taken into these various groups and practices, because many of them are sincere but sincerely deceived and what they really need is they need a a, a revelation they need yeah. they need christ and they need the truth to actually dispel the darkness that satan has been able to place on their mind even the ones and and it's really hard because sometimes when you when you get to the higher echelons the people who are in the dark of these things very much embrace the dark well it's one of those things you're you got power you're all into it and, and, and for the most part, for them, life is going okay. You know what I mean? And and unfortunately, they many of the people at the at the top of these uh, things actually do they revel in the evil that they oh, do. Oh yeah. Um, well, after a uh, while, you would almost have to just to be in. It, it that, really that is deep into it. Didn't we have like a relative or a family member who was like in one of those groups, but then they got to a certain level, and he was like, "I'm not doing that." Well, and that's what happens to a lot of people. There are, there are people who realize, and, and this is something, this is another situation. A lot of people are trapped in these organizations. They are terrified to leave these organizations or these practices oh, yeah. because they fear for their lives. And that's crazy to and, think about. And indeed, you, you would think that a lot of people... A lot of people think that's some kind of a joke, but these people are it's actually... It's not a joke to those people. No, it's not. It's not a joke to uh, to the true the practitioners of the dark in these organizations. Um, there are many people who have reached things where they were being sort of brought up the food chain, and then they saw things that just... I, I actually remember an interview with one fellow that... I saw years ago, and I, I remember he was pretty much a broken man. And he talked about basically in his particular line of work, um, he ended up being basically recruited into some of, you know, organizational things. And, and this was a guy who was looking to get ahead. He figured it was good for his career. And he was seeing things that were going on. And honestly, a lot of it was just pretty much hedonistic stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, he, he, he just didn't think much about it in terms of what's like, you know what, it, it, it's, he, he had sort of the mentality that some people have in corporate America. It's like, you know what, 
the bosses are party animals and I may think they're kind of idiots, but you know what? They're party animals. And so, you know, it's good for my career to basically party with the boss. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of mentality that he had. And apparently at some point in time, um, you know, after some period of time of, of interacting with various of these kind of individuals, he was brought into some arenas where apparently whatever he saw, whatever he experienced, um, it pretty much shattered him. And he left, uh, as, as I recall, uh, he left his job, he left that career, he left that, that uh, vocation. And it's like, uh, apparently, I, I don't think he was ever the same. Whatever these people that he was interacting with uh, were into, um, it was of such a dark nature that basically he, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where he still had a moral compass. Yeah. And he still had a conscience. And whatever was going on, um, was too much for him. Yeah, it, it that's basically crazy he, that, he still. To me, that's just crazy that stuff like that happens, you know, and that nothing gets done of it. Of course, I guess that it all depends on like on who's in, on who's the leaders of these groups and stuff. And but it's just crazy that that stuff exists. Period. It it is it is sad, but it is an understanding that we live in this present evil world, this present evil age. Oh yeah, and that as long as Satan has been given permission to operate as the prince of this world, along with the, was it the Cosmocrators, yeah. who basically darken the minds of men. Um, this is the world that we, we uh, will see uh, and have always seen. And I think the thing is, you know, one of the deceptions is that we ever th thought it was any different. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's sort of like basically people lose a certain amount of innocence because they think the world is a beautiful place until they see that there's darkness behind the curtain. And so you realize that the world isn't. It's a very fallen, it's a very corrupt, it's a very dark place and will remain so until the time that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And so until that time, we're basically called to occupy until he comes and, and to uh, be... Uh, the light on a hill to this uh, present dark world. Um, so I wanted to mention that because it is uh, an avenue that many people get steeped into the occult and into practices they don't need to. And one other thing that I really want to talk about is people should be very careful about uh, property. Um, many times people uh, do not understand that there are goods that are manufactured that basically are being made and based on the cultures of their country of origin or the pagan peoples who create these goods um, or the people who actually run the companies. Many of these things have um, curses upon them. Many of these things are dedicated items. We talked in the previous thing about, you know, you know people who have tattoos of, yeah. of things that they don't even understand what they have tattoos of. It's like, it's like, no, you don't understand that basically you've just made yourself a billboard for demonic influence in the same way people many times will um, take in objects that have a demonic 
spirit attached to them or yeah. a curse attached to them. But it then allows, because it, they've taken it into their home, they've taken it into their possession. At that point, freaky things begin to happen. And it's not always so much obvious stuff where it's like, you know, if you're a Christian, you've got like a Buddha in, in your house. It's like, you know, you don't need that. Exactly. But like, it could also just be normal things. Like, that's why you got to be careful of like yard sales and thrift stores and stuff like that. Exactly. Because you don't know the environment that just those regular everyday objects were in. Exactly. Everything, you know, the understanding is we are bought with a price. We belong to Jesus Christ. By extension, everything that belongs to us should be then, because when we gave our lives to Christ, we gave ourselves to him, spirit, soul, and body. We completely belong to, to the Almighty, and we are consecrated to him. Likewise, everything that comes into our possession, because we have stewardship over it, should likewise be consecrated to the Lord. Yeah. It should be dedicated and consecrated. And, you know, a lot of times, and, and this is a thing about discernment, because I remember uh, we, uh, we were at an antique store in Tennessee, and your mother and your grandmother were walking through there, and we were walking through the various aisles, and your grandmother walked by a crib. Yeah, I remember the story. And immediately, in her spirit, there's this very, uh, very strong. It's like, whoa, this is some attached to something very dark. Yeah. Your mother basically had the same uh, witness in her spirit about that, about that crib. We have no idea who owned it before, what dark event yeah. was uh, associated with it, what curse, what demonic spirit, whatever. But what would normally be just an item, just an innocent piece of nursery furniture, in this case, actually had something very dark attached to it. Not the thing you want to buy and bring home. You know, it's never just like a bookshelf. It's always got to be something creepy in and of itself, like a crib or something, or like a doll. It's never something just, you know, I bought a toilet seat, and that toilet seat was haunted. It's always something just innately a little off, like an old-timey nursery stuff. Oh, that stuff bothers me. <laughs> well, people basically don't understand how very serious this can be. I remember oh, yeah. back in the, ooh, let me think about this. I think it was the late 90s, early 2000s. A gentleman that uh, my family uh, and that we went to church with back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s had come to visit from out of state. He was up in his years and he um, wanted to come back south to actually see old acquaintances because he knew he was up in years and he wouldn't be able to make, travel for much longer. And he honestly realized he was coming to the end of his journey. So it got to be basically a, a reunion time for him for a lot of people. And so we ended up seeing at this gathering a lot of people we had not seen, honestly, for decades. Oh, wow. And so when you see that, you're interacting with people you haven't seen in a very long time. And, of course, there are people who aren't there. And it's like, does anybody, you know, is anybody still in contact with so-and-so? I heard so-and-so passed away. So-and-so got married, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember we were talking to this gentleman, and basically we brought up the name of a, of a gentleman that we knew from the early 1980s and um, who had passed away. 
and um, the gentleman that we were spoke we spoke to, they were very tight back in the day, and he basically laid the blame for this man of God's death on a suit. I, I kid you not, on a suit. Really? That there was there was something attached to this. I don't know if it was a curse or or whatever. And it's like he had this suit. He would not get rid of this suit. And he he was emphatic about the fact that this suit and this man's refusal to get rid of it basically uh, led to his untimely death. Huh. And um, and and uh, I have no doubt that he truly believed that. And whether it was actually the case or not, since I was we were out of the loop on that, I know that he believed it for certainty. And I certainly understand it's possible uh, because people really don't understand how necessary getting rid of these kind of objects really is or breaking the curses that are over them. Yeah. Uh, many times you bring into things into your home, you get them secondhand or depending on where they're, you know, like you said, the obvious thing, if you have a statue of Buddha, you know, if somebody tries to give you a, you know, uh, I remember that as a child, somebody, a classmate of mine gave me a necklace um, you know, cause you know, back in the seventies, men wore a lot of necklaces, yeah. you know, it was like, you know, uh, peace, love and tranquility and all that jazz. And, uh, this, uh, individual gave me one. Well, it was an ankh, oh. the Egyptian symbol yeah. of life. And it's like, you know, at that time, cause I had no real church background as a child until a certain age. And we talked about that when I got into my personal testimony. But as soon as I realized what this was, it's like, this thing needs to go to the trip. Yeah. I need to get rid of this. I need to repent of ownership of it. It is intrinsically anti-Christian, and I need to, uh, you know, be rid of it. So there's the things that are obviously anti-Christian. They need to be just flat gotten rid of. Yeah. There are the other things that are not intrinsically anti-Christian, um, that either need to be, and, and I would recommend anointing with oil. Yeah. And then if necessary, laying hands of this object, because you need to use your, your authority in the name of, of Jesus and, and the power of the spirit to basically break these curses. Because the thing about it is, is simply this. If you have an object that is in, in intrinsically innocent, I use that term and there's something that's a curse on it or, or something attached to it. When it comes into your possession, you are the steward of it. Yeah. And therefore you have ownership and authority over it, which means regardless of what it was um, to the previous person who owned it or even the person who might have manufactured it, it is now your possession and you need to basically break this curse that's upon it. It's like, you know what? I belong to God. Everything that I have stewardship over belongs to God. And therefore, there is going to be nothing in my possession. No, no demon has the right to attach itself to anything that belongs to me that I have stewardship over because I and all that I have belong to Christ. No curse, no demonic uh, spirit, no nothing. And so, but we need serious discernment. We need an understanding of 
what things mean because it's like with the tattoo things a lot of people are walking around they don't even understand the nature of what they're what yeah. and it's like you don't what what are people wearing that's that's on their clothes what, what you know you're wearing a t-shirt and it's got some sort of emblem on it you just think it's decorative and you don't really understand it some decorative piece in your home a painting a, a, a statue something that you don't even know and so it really pays to pray over what you receive and and dedicate it to the lord likewise everything we own should be dedicated to the lord our homes our vehicles in deuteronomy uh, chapter 20 and verse 5 it basically tells you basically you know what you don't go out to war unless you're dedicated your house to the lord because if you don't have a dedicate if you build a house and you haven't dedicated your your house to the lord don't 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 go to war until you do yeah because you know you end up basically it, it won't end well it's not going to go well for you and it's like you know and and that was a principle they understood back in ancient Israel. It's like, what? as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everything I am belongs to the Almighty. Everything I have belongs to the Almighty. And we need to break curses over these things. And then there are times when the Holy Spirit will just lead you, get rid of this. Yeah. And, and there are things that need to be gotten rid of, period. Um, and so, you know... Uh, so far as your homes, you know, one should always, especially when buy, if you buy a new home or, or you in, or something. Yeah, you inherit a, 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 a piece of property, walk the property line. Yeah. Anoint the property line with oil. Anoint the uh, doorposts of your home, every doorway, if necessary, every window. Um, and, and basically dedicate your house to the Lord and break every curse uh, of previous ownership uh, because once it's come into your possession, you have spiritual authority in this arena, Yeah. Uh, regardless of who owned it prior to you. And so, you know, there's a, um, uh, there's a definite need to do that. We need to do that with, um, uh, you know, you buy a used car, pray over it. It may not be a lemon. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it may be a curse. Um, and so we, we need to understand that. So people should be very careful of the objects they buy, the things they own, and should dedicate them all to the Lord. And so that's a, that's a definite uh, uh, big heads up. Because yeah, because that's something most people don't even think about no. usually. Because I've had, there's people I know that they, you know, they're good Christians and stuff. But like if they're in the middle of a move, things, you know, you're, it's always hectic. Things right. get forgotten. You know, you buy certain items and people start acting weird. So, I mean, like there's things where it's like, like I said, with the guy with the suit, like they get really protective over certain things. And it's like, why are you so protective over that? Right. That was like, uh, years ago I was playing a game and it had something in it that just wasn't good. Like just, mm -hmm. you know, I, I forget what it, what it was. I don't know if it was my mom or somebody was watching over my shoulder and they were looking at it and I just noticed it and I was like, stop reading it. Because I was like, stop it. You don't need to. And she was like, you know that's bad, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. But then afterwards, we just pretty much got rid of it. Right. So, but that's the thing. Like, usually, some it's like this. Whenever you're doing something you know you shouldn't, 
or yeah. you have something you and you just know you shouldn't. Like, you get really protective and really weird about it. Evil by nature has a seductive aspect to it. It, it appeals to us on an emotional level. Uh, it appeals to us sometimes on a psychological level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because we are fallen creatures, and we need to, to recognize that it is a seduction. Uh, we are being led away, seduced away from God uh, by these things. Um, in the same way that the stuff we've talked about before, these activities will seduce you away from God if you're a believer or even an unbeliever to try to keep you from God. So these are the two things I really wanted to mention, the things you come in possession of, and then, of course, the practices that we talked about before, which need, you know, people just strictly need to begin by, you know, uh, confessing their sins, repenting, giving their lives to, to Jesus Christ, um, asking for uh, the Holy Spirit to move into them um, and, uh, and for the forgiveness of their sins and then the taking authority in the name of Jesus um, of all, basically, basically sometimes you have to clean house of a lot of stuff but then you also need to in some cases specifically mention each and every activity that the Holy Spirit will bring to mind to you. If you were in this activity, you need to specifically, because you've done this and this and this, and you need to specifically close every legal loophole. Confession and repentance with salvation is the major first step. And if you are already a Christian, then it's confession and repentance. And so we need to, we need to understand how important that is in terms of not opening the doors. But the real question for a lot of people is, um, once the doors have been opened, and many times, even after they're closed, um, demons remain as squatters. Yeah. Um, and, And at that point, you're not in a situation where you're basically just closing, where you're, uh, you're not just closing doors, but you're trying to get rid of what's already in there. You've got to serve an eviction notice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really what you're getting into. And so what you need to understand is, first of all, the nature of what you're dealing with. And so when we talked in previous things, we talked back when we talked about the full armor of God in Ephesians. And we talked about, you know, the various principalities, powers, spiritual weakness, heavenly places. You know, that is something that... You'll see terminologies used like, for instance, territorial spirits. Yeah. That's a term used in deliverance ministry a lot. And it basically refers to a spirit that basically has um, a territory, uh, a geographical area in which it operates. The old bales of the Old Testament were like this. There were bales for nearly every, there was like Baal of Zebub and Baal of Horan and you know, and bail of this and bail of that. And there was every locality had its own bail, its own Lord. Yeah. its own. And then there was like the big bail, you know, the big. So, you know, it it was a hierarchy is essentially what it was. And, um, and that's why sometimes you see bail referred to in the singular. And then you see it, uh, the term bailim, which are multiple bales. And so, because every, the, the thing about bales are basically 
Um, you know, when you move to different areas, what you're going to find out is the culture is shaped many times by different spirits. In some places, there's a spirit of poverty. In some places, there's a spirit of criminality. Uh, I remember somebody talking about this in relation to basically uh, the nation of Australia, that it had a strong spirit of criminality because it began as a penal colony. Yes. Um, so, so there was there was a serious territorial spirit that you were going to have to fight because generations had been uh, incarcerated on the island, exiled to the island uh, when it was uh, during the time that it was a penal colony for, for the British Empire. Well, it's like if you go from one town to another and you just notice there's like a change in the atmosphere. I mean, whenever we've taken trips, it's like you can just tell in different states. Like there's just parts of it where it's like things are just different here. Exactly. And it could be a good different or it could be like an oppressive or a bad different, you know? Depending on the amount of influence that the, uh, that the body of Christ is exercising in a particular area, you can have a virtually open heaven in certain areas. And then you have the kind of thing in other areas where basically you're like uh, the prophet Daniel. Uh, you are basically going to have a war in the heavenlies to get anything done until enough warring has been done to actually break the actual back of the uh, uh, of the territorial spirits there. And so you, you have to understand that there are different spirits that work. But most of the time when we're talking about demon possessions, we're not talking about territorial spirits. We're not talking about principalities, powers, that sort of thing. We're basically talking about what are generally referred to as unclean spirits. Yeah. Your rank and file dirty demon. I mean, that's yeah. basically what you've got. And yeah, you don't honestly, I think like you don't deal with territorial demons or stuff like that unless God Himself is just like, listen, we're putting you in this area for the, because there's this thing in the territories. But even then, you got to really make sure. Because I know there was a story I heard of this one chick. She went to a college and she had this vision, it was a vision or a dream, but it was basically of the college she's at. And there was this like, I don't know if it had a like clock tower or like, but the main building, you know, where like the dean or someone is, mm -hmm. there was like this big like demon just sitting on top of it. And so she assumed that she, that that meant for her to go after it. And she ended up being bedridden. And she had to quit college and all that stuff. Like she she got so sick because she was going after it. And the family reached out to a preacher. I forget which uh, I forget which uh, who who it was, but he basically said he's like, yeah, no, she's not supposed to be doing that. She needs to stop, and she didn't. Yeah, people people are under the. Uh, here's one of the things that I where we get into the theological uh, paradigms here. There are many people. Understand, Jesus has put all principalities and powers under his feet. He has all authority in both heaven and earth, granted to him by his Father. He has given that authority to his body on the earth. But, and this is the thing that people need to understand, 
we exercise that authority not according to our own wills and desires. We exercise that will and authority, or pardon me, that, uh, that authority, not according to our will, but to the will of the, of, of the Lord, which yeah. requires the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just because you have the authority to do something, yeah, or uh, I put it, you may, uh, Christ has the authority to do it, and if he confers the the um, let me put it this way, if he tells you to do it, you do it. Yeah. But you be sure to ask him if this is the battle you're supposed to fight. It's like he's the sheriff because and we're de deputy. Exactly. Sense. We follow orders. We we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if the story of Josiah basically teaches us anything, is know the battles you're called to fight. Yeah. Because Josiah was sworn not to engage in a particular war. He had a great career. I mean, you know, renovated the temple and reinstituted the, uh, they found the book of the law. They, they, they instituted the feast days as had never been in all of Israel. He's tearing down the altars of Baal and doing everything that was prophesied of him. And he's doing this, but he got to the day where he basically took on a battle he was not called to fight. And he was told, don't do this, and went ahead and did it anyway, and he died. Josiah warns us, his, his story is an example of what happens when we need to understand it, like with the woman that was being given this revelation, the question is, she made an assumption. Yeah. Yeah, she assumed she was supposed to go after it. Yeah. She she got a revelation that God was showing her, but she didn't ask him what she was supposed to do with it. She just went with it. She just made an assumption and then acted on that assumption. Now, what we have to understand is spirits act by permission. Mm -hmm. There are times when God gives spirits uh, a permission to do certain things in certain areas for certain area lengths of time. The story of Job is, is an example of this. Anybody who tried to interfere with what was going on with Job, despite the fact that Satan was just slapping the living snot out of him in all these areas, would have found it very hard with them because ultimately Satan had been given permission. Yeah. And so people need to understand you there is a protocol by which you do things. And that's why Jesus always said, I don't do anything except that which I see my father do. And see, there's a difference between a revelation and an authorization. We can't, we can, she had a revelation, but she didn't have an authorization. If she had an authorization, then she would have had an anointing to break that situation. But because she didn't have an authorization, but instead of revelation, she messed in something that she wasn't supposed to. Many people think that this is a uh, thing where, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, this sometimes it's a warning. This is what you need to avoid. Yeah. And so we don't pick our battles. God picks our battles. And we need to always remember 
We, call, we fight the battles we're called to fight. And so when we understand that, that's when we're dealing with the principalities, powers of spiritual wickedness and heavenly places. And when we go through Ephesians and the full armor of God, this is how you deal with that. And we went into that at length in a previous program, so I don't need to, to rehash all that. But the problem is people start messing in areas where they don't follow the protocol and they need the leading of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, discernment is paramount importance in dealing with the spiritual world. Oh, yeah. And it's unfortunately seriously lacking in the body of Christ. But most of what you run into is, you know, a lot of times when, when you're looking at what was going on in Jesus's ministry, where he's casting out demons left and right, and it's amazing how that really set off their religious types. Yeah. Um, it, it, you should think well, like that that first would... One, wasn't the first one he cast out, wasn't that like in the synagogue or something? Like, and that was the one who was already noticing who... that Like, that one already knew who he was. Exactly. The See, the thing about it is, demons recognize... And here's the thing about uh, something to that people need to understand. First of all, nobody needs to be messing in deliverance ministry, in exorcism, and casting out devils if they're not born again. No. Uh, the seven sons of Sceva are a very good example of this in, uh, in the books of Acts in uh, chapter 19. There's seven of these dudes. They saw what was going on. They saw what Paul was doing, and it's like they came to a demon-possessed person. It's like in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Yeah. You know, and it's and he, the, the demon possessed guy looks at us like Jesus. I know Paul. I know exactly who are you. And then he beats the living snot out of him. That whole statement sends him away trips, naked. Yeah, that whole statement trips me out, you know, because the demon's going, Jesus, I know, which I'm like, OK, yeah, totally. I get that. But then it goes, Paul, I know. And it's like, oh, he knows about Paul. And then it's like, but who are you? I'm like, oh, he don't even know you. Well, and that's it because at that point, because these guys had no covenant standing yeah. through Christ with the Almighty to do anything. Mm. And so that's the whole point. If you're not a born-again Christian, you don't need to be messing with this because basically it's not going to go well for you. Well, if you're not born again, it's not even, I guess, your battle. In a sense, it's not your battle. I mean, this is not something that you do on a lark. You don't this, do it because it's a Tuesday and you got nothing else to do. It's like, hey, you know, you know, I've tried skydiving, I've tried rock climbing. I think I'm going to try uh, casting out devils. Cast out a demon next like, to some eggs. It's like, you know, no, you don't do that. It's like, no, you have to be. And, and that's the thing because when you're a Christian, you're led by the Spirit to know what battles and where to go and what to do. That's the thing a thing about it. The spirit move well as they say the wind the scripture says the wind blows as he listed listeth so is everyone who is led by the spirit of God. And so Jesus always knew exactly what he was going to do in regards to casting out these devils. He always did what his father showed him. And so this is something that people really need to understand. Will we come into conflict with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness? Well, yes, we will. There's a time for that. There's an arena for that. And, the, and, 
And if you are uh, being led into that arena, then there will be an anointing for that. Oh, yeah. Um, but you don't seek, go to seek a battle. We, we, we don't tell God what battles we're going to fight. No. He tells us what battles we're going to fight. That's an obedience issue. And from some of the books I read, it seemed like most of the people who were in the ministry, it's like they didn't have to go looking for something because stuff just came to them for the most part. You know, the thing about it is if you're actively, actively serving like if God's uh, God, called you to that, you know what I mean? Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're actually called to deliverance ministry, um, you're not going to have to really worry about seeking out yeah, uh, there there is plenty of demonic activity out there. Um, you're not going to have to advertise. No, um, it's it's not one of those things where you're going to have to, you know, put up put it on your Facebook page or you don't have you know, to promote it. You know, you know, it just kind of happens. You're basically it's gonna you know it's like people it's like there are people that basically don't go have they don't have to go looking for trouble. It just kind of shows up. It kind of shows up. Well, basically, if you're truly called to deliverance ministry, you're not going to have to go out looking for devils to cast no. out. Um, you're just going to come across them. It's not going to be that that difficult. You're not going to have to hunt. But I, I really need to explain about unclean spirits because, like I say, we talked about the, the principalities and powers back in Ephesians. But when we talk about the unclean spirits, that's a lot of what Jesus was doing for three and a half years. He's casting out this devil, that devil, the other devils. Sometimes, and and something I should mention: these devils, many times they come across. There is the, there are many different um, kinds of spirits. One of which, and this is a, a, a something that people don't understand, is many times demonic spirits take on um, the attributes of a sickness, of an illness. Um, Jesus would cast out. A spirit of blindness, a spirit of deafness, a spirit of dumbness. Um, you know, he would cast out uh, spirits that basically had, for all intents and purposes, the appearance of an actual illness. And we had a friend years ago who has who has went to be with the Lord several years ago. But I remember, um, I want to say it was back in the late 1980s. We visited them in Florida, and uh, <laughs> I remember him telling the story about one day he had just wrapped up at work, and it was quitting time, and 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 this fellow was very um, well versed in uh, deliverance and all that, and so he was leaving um, work and he had closed up the office and he was going down uh, the stairs. He was taking the stairs. And as he's going down the stairs, all of a sudden he feels intense pressure and chest pain. And this intense pressure and chest begins to feel like a heart attack. Now at this point, um, this friend of ours, he, he's having what appears to be for all intents and purposes a heart attack. And at this point he begins to pray, not surprisingly. Yeah. And what he says is simply this, Father, if this is your, if this is my time and this is your uh, uh, plan for me, then so be it. However, 
if this is a demonic spirit, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus and I command you to leave. And instantaneously, his symptoms stopped. Never to return. So what you had was a situation uh, where basically you had a demonic entity who was attacking him in displaying all the characteristics of a heart attack, of an illness, uh, of a medical episode. And if he had given himself over to it, it would have taken his life. But he was well versed enough in the word of God that he recognized the possibility that it was, in fact, a demonic attack. And using the authority of the name of Jesus, he immediately took authority over it and commanded it to cease and leave, whereupon it did. And so one, one of the things that people don't understand is that um, many times people are very frustrated, even in Pentecostal charismatic circles, because what happens is they tend to lose faith in healing. Now, the old timers used to basically, a lot of what you would hear in terms of if a Christian, especially one who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was experiencing um, sicknesses, what you would have was a situation was, well, you just need to have, you, you know, there's a remedy for sickness. You call the elders of the church, you're anointed with oil, and the prayer of faith will, you know, will heal the sick and all this. And then this would happen, but sometimes it didn't happen, which was seriously damaging to the faith of a lot of people who were apparently experiencing illnesses. Now, the go-to explanations for why healing did not happen were this. They're not being healed because they have sin in their lives that is unrepentant of. Okay, that was one of the, and, and there is a argument for that. There are people who, you know, um, years ago, you're, you're, we went to a church with a lady, and I remember this. Uh, this was, I want to say around 78, 79 or so. Yeah, around 79. And um, she was dealing with a very crippling um, um, situation in her body. And, of course, mom's like, no problem. We'll just lay hands on and, and, and boom, we'll just take care of this. And so mom's praying for her. And she was telling me, she said, I'm praying for this woman and I can watch. And it's like healing. It's like it's bouncing off of her. Hmm. And it's like, what is going on here that she's not being healed? And the Holy Spirit basically revealed to mom that the problem wasn't that he wasn't willing to heal her. The problem was she wasn't going to let go of her bitterness and her resentment and her unforgiveness. And because she would not let go of these, she couldn't receive the healing that was available to her. 40 years later, she is still suffering. Jeez. That's the price of unforgiveness. 40 years later. And I mean, and so when you ain't going to let go like that, it's like, 
So that was the explanation for why people didn't, one of the reasons why people didn't get healed. And there's very valid, there are a number of sins yeah. that will prevent you from receiving healing. The other thing is you just don't have the faith. You don't have the faith to receive it and you don't have the faith to keep your healing. And there is that. There are many people who are in a mental and emotional bondage that says, I am not worthy of being healed. They have an issue with the actual love of God. That somehow... I am not worthy of his love. He could not or will not possibly heal me because I'm not worthy of it. See, I can understand that mindset if you're just constantly down on yourself and you're just constantly, you know, like, I'm not worthy of anything. Exactly. But if you take the time to read the Bible, it's like this. It's one of those things where it's like, it's just given to you. With proper preaching and teaching and ministry, uh, and emotional healing, then these are the attitudes that should be gone by. But yeah. these were the main two reasons, and they were they were legitimate. But there's also a third thing that basically was not being talked about, and that is the fact that demonic spirits will take on the appearance and effects of an, of an actual illness. Now, it can be a physical illness, like the heart attack we mentioned, uh, uh, like the blind spirit, spirits of blindness, deafness, dumbness that Jesus was expressly referred to in the gospels as casting out. Um, these are these are things that uh, that basically, you know, you you have to really understand. In fact, and and it led to a lot of really stupid I I have as you know, I have a number of pet peeves. Yes. In fact, we probably should make it, whenever I'm on the program, we should make it a point to make sure that I share at least one pet peeve. I might every a single moment. You know, Michael's pet peeves. And, and let me tell you, and one of these things was, and, and it became such a thing that people began to lose faith in the doctrine of healing and in, and in the power of God to heal and his willingness to heal. One of the reasons is because people didn't discern the difference between an actual illness, whether it was a mental or emotional or physical illness, and a spirit that is mimicking the same thing. Yeah. Many people have actual legitimate depression. But then there are those who have a spirit of depression. Yes. There are many people who deal with emotional, psychological issues, suicide. But then there are those who have a spirit of suicide. Spirit of Suicide tried to kill me in the mid-2000s Yeah, when I was home alone at one point. And I, I recognized what it was, and I cried out to the Lord. And, it made, and so this is, not, this is not theory for me. This is imagine, reality for just me. Just imagine if I understand. no one like, taught this stuff. Like if I had not people, known, if I had not known, like if people what was going on, didn't take the time. And that's why I think this is so important is that whether a thousand people listen to this or two people listen to this, the message got out. I, and that's the whole point of this is like, exactly. It's not something being taught. It's not something even being talked about. And when you do talk about it to somebody who at your local church has some kind of authority, whether they're a youth pastor, a pastor, associate pastor, this pastor, that pastor, every kind of pastor, mm -hmm. they will turn you away in a sense. They'll be like, we are not talking about this. Listen, I actually, well, I'll finish my and story. And the thing is, like, this is what can save lives. 
Yes, for many people, it was life and death. The knowledge that I had, well, first of all, the fellow, the fellow that we knew that was living in Florida, for him, that appearance of a heart attack was a life or death issue. Yeah. When that spirit of suicide tried to come upon me, in, I want to say probably 2000, somewhere around 2004 to 2007, somewhere in the mid-2000s, um, I was home, I was alone, and there was the overwhelming mm-hmm. obsessive thought about the butcher block in the kitchen and the knives that were on it. Yeah. And what I could do with to myself with them. Yeah. Okay. And I realized that a demonic spirit was trying to drive me to commit suicide. I immediately went into the into the uh, into the, into the uh, bathroom in the house, and basically called out to the Lord. Ended up vomiting. You know, it's like I know what's going to happen when yeah. I when I start praying. You it's get, like you there's the going to you you yeah. you know you're going to you know the 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 barfing will commence, and I barfed into the sink, ran away. And immediately, once I did that, however, immediately the thought and the desire vanished because it was not an emotional thing. It wasn't a psychological thing. It was a demonic thing. Yeah, it was a spirit. But if I had not known that, how many people take their lives? Like you would have been probably just panicking until it went away if it did. You know what I mean? Exactly. And there are many people... I, I don't remember if we talked about this situation on a previous program, but you and I both know somebody who comes from a Christian frame where they do not believe that a Christian can have a demon. Yeah. And yet this individual was dealing with sudden and severe episodes of fear, yeah. terror coming upon them. And and they were suffering. And this went on for some time, and they didn't know why or how this was happening to them until finally they, they prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit said, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to touch you, and you're going to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, you're going to pray. I'm going to, you know, I think he was praying in the Spirit, actually. Yeah, he was it's praying like, in the Spirit. It's like, you're going to pray in the Spirit, and I'm, and and, and I'm going to touch you, and you're going to vomit, and basically you're going to be okay. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. And that's something we probably need to go ahead and, I guess, touch on. The vomit thing? Yeah, because we're, I uh, think, easing on into to the, the practicalities stu- the of practicalities. it. And we have been saying, talking <laughs> yeah. about vomiting. <laughs> um, that is one of the things that when you're in a deliverance session, I'll, I'll just yeah. say like that. Yeah, you see a um, lot of it. Yeah, it, that is something where, like, when the spirit does leave, you're usually either, if I'm, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're usually either vomiting, coughing, I've heard some say you're yawning, and I and I think that's pretty much it. Those are the sometimes three. it's screaming or wailing. Screaming and wailing, yeah. Yeah. What happens is is simply when they want to make a show. I, I've heard people. It's like, well, it's like, is this is this a is this thing the vomit or whatever a demon itself? And it's like, no. What it is is if it's I the did side that, effect. I can't say nothing because I'd probably be like, it's a demon. <laughs> no, that's that's why I don't do much. But yeah, well, see when when I. When when I prayed and I vomited into the sink and all that, and this is what happens when people are being, you know, delivered, uh, delivered, and it's like, you know, from 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 these attacks or from influence, and it's like, you know what? Here's the deal. When and this is the comparison I make. If you have a, a, demons are largely invisible unless you can unless you are allowed to see in the 
spiritual realm, you do not see demons. What you see are the effects of demons. Yeah. You see the effects of their presence. Well, it's kind of the same way as with germs. Germs are invisible to the naked eye. But if a germ can access your body and gain entry into it, it begins working and wreaking havoc in your system. Now, one of the side effects that if you have a cold, for instance, and a cold germ in your, um, in your uh, body, it'll be, your body will pr produce mucus. A lot of times you'll get a chest cold. And when we have a chest cold and people start coughing up phlegm and stuff, yeah, you know, you've got this congestion in your chest. It's not the cold. People say, I've got a cold in my chest. No, you've got a cold germ in your chest. It's true. But what you're, but this stuff is not the cold itself. It's the it's effect the of, of what is, is, of what's produced in your body as a result of the germ's presence. Yeah. So when you're coughing up this stuff, you're coughing up this stuff that has come into your body as a result while you are coughing up and casting out from your body the cold germs. Yeah. And so it's the same way as that with uh, deliverance. You know, the vomit is not the demon. No. The vomit is a side effect of the demon's presence. And when it leaves, yeah, this stuff goes with it. Because it's kind of, it's, it's just like the evidence of what's there, just as the way is the phlegm and the mucus when the cold germ leaves. And so when you're doing this, it's really not. Now, understand, there's the vomit. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it, there is wailing or crying, um, deep sighs, moans, um, various vocal manifestations. Then you get to the ones that are really a little more in interesting they make it a little more fun in the well session. when you see a spirit leave somebody and it's in the form of a serpent oh that's a really is that real yeah that's a real thing really yeah that's a real thing you know here and I, here in the south if someone went through a deliverance session and a snake just appeared there's enough rednecks out here that would literally shoot it <laughs> you would have that one guy who's kind of saved but still a little weird and he'd pull out like he's a desert eat. eagle he's like I'm going to shoot a demon and he'd shoot it and he'd shoot it <laughs> going to have a demon belt or something he's like, like, no you don't want that belt he's like you no. see this as pure demon but you actually see many times these things leaving and they will actually have an unclean form like that of a um, of a of a of a, of a uh, a serpent or something like that that uh, are coming out of these people there are various other forms that are very dark that is um, crazy. that basically comes out sometimes people cough up stuff that's and, and you see something it's almost like a blackness yeah that comes off of them and it just falls off of them uh almost like and and people who are delivered of spirit of cancers mm -hmm. uh often have this kind of thing happen and so it's it's not a real cancer it's a spirit that is taking on the form of a cancer yeah i think i heard a story there was a guy doing a deliverance session and this lady was coughing up this like black sticky almost looking like stuff like it just mm -hmm. would plop out right and he'd go get paper towels but then the thing would actually just be gone and he's like i don't know where exactly. this thing ran off to but well it's an immaterial thing caused by an immaterial ser uh 
cause. I would bleach my house if that was me. <laughs> um, it, I couldn't it, handle that for like a second. Yeah, it's like you. You there have been deliverance sessions where people just vomit buckets of stuff. Yeah. And but by the end of the evening, when the deliverance session is over, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, because it is a spiritual effect of a spiritual cause. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, that's one of those things you have to understand the natures of sometimes what you're going to see when demons are being cast out and when they're manifesting. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that back to, I'll wrap up my pet peeve. My pet peeve is that unfortunately the failure to recognize that demons take on the forms of uh, mental, emotional, and physical illnesses, and that is not to deny the actual existence of mental, emotional, and physical issue, uh, uh, issues, but the truth of the matter is if you're not getting healing, you need to seriously explore in prayer whether or not you or your loved one is being actually uh, attacked by demonic spirits. Yeah. And, and because so many people failed to discern this, people began to lose faith in healing. And you heard a lot of really bogus nonsense coming out of the mouths of ministers who didn't really have answers. Like, for instance, people would talk about when people, when Christians weren't getting healed and they were dying. Yeah. You know, Obviously, there was a number of reasons why. One of them is maybe sometimes a lack of faith. Maybe it was unrepentance, and maybe it was a number of reasons. But many times it was undiscerned demonic attack. And so people would say stupid stuff like, death is, you know, our brother and sister went to be with the Lord today. And although they did not get healing in their bodies, we know that death is the ultimate healing. And I hear that stupidity <laughs> coming out of the mouths of people. Yes. And I, the, the thought really, it's like, you are a complete moron. Well, remember in the Bible when Jesus prayed for those people and they just died? Exactly. I keep All telling ten you. of them, they just it's burst like, into flames. Yeah, dead. Jesus said, yeah. you know, be healed in my name, and they just dropped dead. And it's See, like, no, 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 it's no, no, no. A, it's just a way to make the people at the funeral feel better. Feel better. And I understand the, the desire they're to make. Just, yeah, they're just the, there to mourn. But we don't really need to basically be trying to do nothing more than comfort the mourners of those that we have failed to adequately minister to while they were still alive. Exactly. It's time to actually face the situations, deal with the situations, the real causes why people are not being healed and those who actually aren't in need of healing, but actually need deliverance. And, and so that people can walk in health and in victory. That's yeah. what we really need to be doing. Cause see, here's the thing. There's so many people that are like medicated. Yeah. Like if you just, if you just go up and ask random people, they're probably taking something for something. You know what I mean? Whether it's a, like I said, a physical, emotional or a mental thing. Well, and it's like how much of this, if they were saved, because there's a lot of Christians who are on a lot of medication. Oh, yeah. But it's like, imagine what would happen if, you know, you're like, well, you know, let's go through a healing process. All right, well, that didn't work. Let's go through sin. It's like, well, maybe you need to repent. They do that. Still nothing. I wonder what would happen. I wonder how crazy things would get if you actually was like, let's try deliverance and see if this isn't even 
a sickness if it's just a spirit. I wonder how crazy yeah. things would get and how many people would be off meds because of it. Well, that's it. I mean, honestly, 50 per, as I recall, I remember reading some statistic, I believe I believe the number was something like that nearly half of all Americans are on some sort of mood-altering, mind-altering drug, either legal or illegal in the United oh, yeah. States. That is an insane percentage to me. Uh, I'd like some verification on it because it's such a mind-boggling figure. But the truth of the matter is, if it's anywhere even near that, it goes to show you the degree of suffering that's going on that people are trying to chemically medicate away. Some of these people are, you know, let's be honest, if they were to become Christians, many of these issues that caused them to uh, take these chemicals would vanish. Others would require a healing, but yet others would require deliverance. And those and are the ones that people are too scared to even try. That's the one that, honestly, a lot of ministries aren't even willing to go there. So, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about like just in because we've been talking about you know people are gonna vomit, scream, and probably do all that stuff. Um, let's actually do like a like a walkthrough of a session of a deliverance thing, so people can have an idea of just what's going on do you have any stories or anything that you are willing to share about something you've experienced or heard or been sure. a part of or something um one thing and i will get into it maybe in our next show or something we need to understand where demons come from oh, because yeah. beyond the principalities powers etc when you get into the general unclean spirits the unclean spirits are disembodied spirits that are actually still needing a physical host. They need a host because without a physical host to inhabit, they can't experience what they want to experience and what's manifesting in the person. So like I said, these, these unclean spirits are basically looking to manifest their own desires, their own personalities, their own agendas, through an individual that they've gained access and influence over. And so what you're seeing is they're actually, um, it, it, people many times who are demonically influenced, and especially if they've been demonically influenced a long time to a great extent, sometimes become very panicky during a deliverance session because what happens is they are losing demonic spirits that have been so prevalent in their lives for so long a period of time is they're actually concerned concerned that they're losing themselves because yeah. they don't know where they end and that evil spirit begins. Well, that's the thing though. Like if, cause there's some people who are like 20, 30 years into it. Yes. And it's like, once you've been in something for so long, you do forget how you were before it. It's like having a friend for like, all for a few years, you can't really remember life with, life before them it's weird yeah um it, it's one of those things where um these things affect their personalities that's one of the things you see in generational spirits that run through lines um you know i know of somebody who basically he was you have an uncle and nephew situation and basically the nephew um is 
not necessarily what you call a dedicated Christian, but he's a churchgoer. And he's married and he has two children and he's doing well in business and his wife does well in business and they got the nice house and the successful life and all that. His uncle, his uncle basically is an alcoholic, um, a big talker, but a complete life failure. Um, he, he basically is, you know, basically a womanizer and all this sort of stuff. So what happens? The uncle dies. Within 90 days, the nephew, who is similar to him in personality, has inherited the spirit, we talked about how this works in a previous program, of his uncle. No clue what's going on with him. He begins drinking heavily. He begins messing around on his wife. He ceases going to church. He basically watches his marriage fail, his career fail. He takes up with uh, one, one of the, a woman he, he's basically, um, you know, messed around with and, and all of that. And he spends basically the rest of his life as an alcoholic, as a big talker, but a life failure, simply just like his uncle. Because what's happened to him is that basically the same spirit that, in, uh, that inhabited his uncle inhabits them because they were closely blood related and they were similar in personality. And this particular spirit was looking to run through the bloodline and it liked a, a personality, a certain type of personality and a certain bloodline because it gave it opportunity to manifest itself, influence these two men and basically work to its own desires. So that's why a lot of times when you are casting demons out of these people, they will freak at a certain point sometimes. You have to really start a break if you can, you know, and this is where I suppose I really need to get into the nuts and bolts of this. When you start basically being led, again, there are those who are called to the deliverance ministry, but all believers should be ready, willing, and able to cast out demons if the circumstance requires. Yeah. I mean, it's that's like a given. It's like the healing ministries. You know, it's like there's yeah. those who are called, but everyone who is a believer should be ready, willing, and able to do that. Yeah. It's just one of the things that Jesus says to do. To operate in healing. I mean, just check out Mark chapter 16. It's all there yeah. in black and white. You know, it's not an unusual thing. There's things you're supposed to do as a believer, but there are those who are called, and that's more of a ministry emphasis. Yeah, ministry emphasis, yeah. And so what you got is you got this situation where sometimes you have somebody who approaches you, they're having issues, they know they've got issues, you recognize they have issues, and you understand uh, the nature of them. At this point, you have preparation time. Many times, however, due to the fact that we're often very ignorant of some things or, we don't, or circumstances don't uh, provide for a lot of preparation, that's when sometimes it gets really interesting. But basically, one of the things we run into is every believer needs to understand you can cast out devils. Yes. And at some point in your life, honestly, every believer should cast out uh, devils. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things that everybody should be, everybody should be willing to pray for somebody and see them healed. 
somebody should everybody everybody should be willing to cast out devils it's just the thing oh yeah so we need to get to this mindset and it reminds me of a situation back in the 80s um and and this is a good example that i'll, I'll just use um we were attending a church back in the latter part of the 1980s and uh, they were Southern Baptists who had become Pentecostal, and as a result, <laughs> they split off and were had established their own fellowship. Well, um, they had a number of people there, but they were still a small congregation. We had relocated from another location. Uh, somebody mentioned their church to us. We started visiting, etc., and we were attending there uh, for a time. Well. Your mother became acquainted because there were not a lot of other females anywhere near her age with oh, uh, a girl who was going there. And it's like, well, when there is nobody else, you we have no other choice. When it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know what? It's like, you know, if I'm if I'm going to talk to somebody, I got, you know. Well, anyway, this um, this particular girl uh, was having issues. And during praise and worship, this young lady would become very agitated, which is not unusual. I mean, let's be honest, whenever there's worship, whenever the Holy Spirit's moving, if you've got a strong enough presence of the Holy Spirit at some point and time, those demons aren't, are, are going to basically be really unhappy. When Christ would show up, Many of them would fall on the in the ground, convulse, scream, you know, why have you come to torture us before the time, etc. And they would just go crackers. And that was just from him walking in the room. Yeah. Like he probably knew they were there, but he was like, man, you know. And then they're like, stop torturing us. He's like, I just walked in here. It's like you you don't even know yet. So just wait. <laughs> so a lot of times and and I have to say, I guess maybe Maybe the fact that we aren't seeing more demons uh, manifesting in our churches during our worship service may be a thing where it's not that there's a lack of demonic presence, but maybe we need more of the presence of the Holy Spirit and some Pentecostal worship and some power of God there to actually make these things so uncomfortable that they either want to manifest or they want to run. I mean, I agree. And so... I, like... <laughs> this is one of those things was like I would love to see a service that was that wild, you know what yeah. I mean? Where God's just moving so heavily, the Holy Spirit's there. Like you just feel the presence of God so much that people are actually either manifesting or just getting up and running. Because here's like they're not gonna casually stroll out. Like these people are probably gonna beat feet and run out. Yeah, depending on on the degree and and the and. Uh of uh, demonic influence in in the person or people's uh, lives, yeah, they're going to become extremely agitated. They are not going to want to stick around. And so this girl begins have, getting agitated. Yeah. And so she leaves the worship service, and she's cutting out of the sanctuary. And your mother is like, hmm, so-and-so's, leaving the service, I wonder if she's sick. And so she decides to follow her. It's like, you know, 
you know, the, the, she's like my only friend. It's here. like, it's like, you know, I, if this girl's sick, you know, I might need to help her. She might need help in the restroom or something or something. Yeah. And it's like, okay. So she follows her and the girl is still agitated and is not wanting to look her in the eye. Yeah. Keeps the head down on the chin. Doesn't want to look her, but she, and she says she wants, you know, prepare, pray for. And it's like your mother, even at that point, she knew enough about, you know, deliverance to know it's like, okay. She knew enough that she was, yeah. she knew she was acting weird. And the girl was actually in a darkened Sunday school room. In the dark, in a Sunday school room. That's where there was nobody else at. Demonic activity or not, that's just weird all on its own. And it's like, so this is not terribly surprising. So it's like, okay, hang on a minute. I'll be right back. Yeah. So she comes back with two young guys, okay, who go to the church. One of them is actually in a leadership position. One was the pastor's son. They go in there. It's like, look, here's this thing. Um, and so it's like, you know what? What we're going to do, and they're in the room, and it's very dimly lit, but it's just your mother and these two guys and this girl. Well, the two guys basically are on either side of her. Mm-hmm. And your mother is basically behind her, you know, because they're more uh, angled towards her front and sides. Yeah. Okay. And they begin praying for her. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. And and the one begins shaking. One of them is shaking. One of them is laughing. The other one is crying. Now... This is, this is, uh, uh, and so, and they're all laying hands on her, on this, on this girl and speaking in tongues. I feel like mom was the one laughing because I could just see that being her. No, I, if I have to ask your mother, I want to say she was the one shaking. I'd have to ask. I so can see that it's honestly, yeah. it's been, it's been 20, it's been a few three years, years now. 23 years, 22 years. So I'd have to ask on on that. But I just remember one was shaking and one was uh, crying and one was laughing. And they're praying in the spirit. And this girl is, is, she's got those eyes shut hard and she's got that chin right down on her chest. And and your mother's behind, okay? Yeah. (laughs) And she says she's got her hand on the girl's back and she can feel something move. She has her hand, and there's something that moves. And it's like, hmm. So she follows what moved with her hand, and it moves. Her hand moves down, it moves up. Her hand moves up, it moves down. And she's doing this thing where she's nearly giving this girl a back rub because <laughs> basically, you know, her she's praying in the I'm spirit, and her hand is moving, and, and her hand is moving to follow this thing that's moving. And so... <laughs> And that's, you know, and she remembered something I told her. Okay. See, and I remember her telling me about this later. It's like, oh, she said, I'm doing this. And it's like, I remembered, Michael, something you told me. You told me about something. And I read this in some books by people who worked in deliverance ministry and that was that demons do not like to be cast out and commanded to go to a place called Tartarus. Tartarus is a place where fallen angels are imprisoned 
in chains of darkness to await their judgment. The Greeks knew what Tartarus was. It's actually mentioned uh, in, the, in the New Testament only once. It's not used Tartarus. It's actually translated something else. But I remember studying it, and I was like, well, this is really interesting. Apparently, people working in deliverance ministry have been getting some mileage out of this. And so I had shared it with uh, your grandmother, and, and, and I shared it with your mother, and it's like, so she remembered this little bit of information. She said, okay. And she draws her hand back, <laughs> and, she said, and, she, and it's like, okay, I know where this thing is at <laughs> on her. And she immediately slapped her hand on it and said, I command you to leave and go to Tartars in the name of Jesus. It, and it worked out great, and we all went home happy. At that point, the girl spun around and went for her throat. Oh, my God. I don't know if your mother's ever told you about this. She has, but it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's not one of those things no, you just talk like, about every day. It's like, well, Aaron, it's March. You know what that means. It's time, <laughs> yeah, to, talk it's time, about. It's time to share the story again. So um, the lady went for my throat. And, and I so, thought to myself, ooh, this is not fun. So at that point, the girl has her, her because they don't like it. No. They don't want to go there. Well, imagine taking a low-level local thug and tossing them in a maximum security uh, penitentiary with the most hardened criminals in America. It doesn't end well. You know, and you got, you know, this, this local goober that's basically in because he won't stop DUIs. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, you know, that's what it's like when One you take your general. doesn't belong here. <laughs> you know, it's like any, it's like you, if you go to a prison. Yeah. And you're like the new meat, you know, it's, it's like, scary. it's like, oh, here's a newbie. I'm going to pound their, their, yeah. their head in. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. smack them around. I'm going to let them know who's boss. Well, that's sort of the same way when, when this happens. So she so goes for her throat. Goes for the throat. Okay, well, um, at that point, however, the Holy Spirit's on the two guys. And they just reach over and take her wrists and just pull her hands off of your mother's throat. Well, at that point, it's on. I mean, <laughs> they're seriously. And she and it's like, you got no. And she's telling, you got, got to get out. And, and so the three of them cast three demons out of her. They knew they cast three demons out of her. And at that point, she was willing to raise her head up and at least kind of look them in the eye. Yeah. But she was still agitated. And it was like, okay, like, she's got relief. However, there's still more. This is not the end of this. Okay. So at which point we, we knew some things were going on. Now, this was an unexpected situation. It's not the kind of situation that you often go looking for, but it's just the kind of situation you're having. These boys, they're, they're six months away from being Southern Baptist. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Doesn't happen a lot in the Southern Baptist denomination. But here they are with this Pentecostal girl casting out demons from this, you know, uh, from this girl in, in, uh, that they've known for uh, apparently a good while. And it's like, okay, this ain't done. 
Well, the situation got through the church pretty quickly to the right it always levels. Does. It's like, okay, because, you know, when it's the pastor's son and somebody else who's in, involved with leadership, it's pretty much an understood. It's like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we need to cast the rest of them out. Yeah. You know, we need to get rid of them so that she's free of this. And this is where you get into, into the situations. And you need to make sure, and here, here's things that you need to understand. You need to understand that you need to go at this. You need to the discernment to know whether you need to go whole hog yeah. or incrementally. Because depending on the degree of demonic influence and the length of time to which they've actually been uh, demonized, again, it can feel as though they're losing themselves. Yeah. And that can be a frightening experience. There's also a thing where they need to understand if you can do it, if you have the opportunity to do it, they need to understand what's happening to them. And you need to give them a little theology. Yeah. You need to give them a little background on this. There's nothing wrong with having a little teaching exactly. about the thing. And of course, it's always best if you can go into this with preparation. Oh, yeah. If you know that you're going to be dealing with somebody who needs deliverance, this gives you time to pray. And fast. This gives you time to fast because you want to be spiritually sent. Uh, you you want to be able to pray and pray in the spirit. You want to be you want to be as spiritually prepared going in. And if possible, you want to. In, if you can, if you have to go it alone. Yeah. God is with you and the Holy Spirit will give you what you need. But you don't if you, need to. If but you if you it. exactly. Your mother could have tried going it alone, but she knew that she didn't have to, and it was better, it was wisdom not to. So she got the two guys, and they ministered to her that night, which was uh, which was wisdom. See, going back just real quick to kind of emphasize the whole uh, importance of praying and fasting. Yeah. I do remember, and I'll make the story quick. There sure. was a lady, her kid was acting crazy or something like mm-hmm. he was obviously demonically influenced and something was going on. Right. And there was a pastor that she knew who actually worked in deliverance. Mm-hmm. He went to uh, go and cast the demons out and all that stuff. But it wasn't really, the situation wasn't working. You know what I mean? Like, it was mm-hmm. just something was off. He left. He said he'd be back in, I think, like a week. Mm-hmm. And the kid who was demonically influenced was like, throwing shade and talking trash to the pastor. He's like, oh, you can't do it, you know? Mm. So he left, and he came back a week later. And in that week, he was, like, praying, and he fasted, I think, like, the whole week. Right. Prayed, and he came back. He goes, we're going to try this again. And the kid, who was demonically influenced, the demon spoke, he goes, he was, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember, he's, but he basically was like, uh-oh. <laughs> he's like, this isn't good. He's like, I'm coming for you now. And the kid got set free. But that's exactly. the importance of sometimes you have to pray and you have to fast to even because isn't that what they said in the Bible where like this one comes out with through prayer and fasting? Well, there, there was that situation where Jesus had basically given authority to the apostles to go out and do this. And somebody brought a demon possessed person. It's like, uh, Jesus, I brought this demon possessed kid of mine to your disciples. They couldn't cast it out of him. And he's like, okay. It's like, you know, this kind comes out with prayer and fasting. And so 
yeah, it's one of those things where um, it's it's a degree of preparedness thing. Now, yeah. Jesus was always prayed up. Jesus he was always con- was fasted. continuing fasting. He lived the fasted life. Yeah, and so it was one of those things where, but his disciples not so much. It would have been nothing for Jesus to do yeah. it, but for his disciples, it was a learning. Yeah. moment where it's like you have to be constantly in this and demonic entities recognize when people they, they recognize degree of anointing yeah they re- recognize degree of faith and that was the difference between the first time the minister came and the second time the minister came that you uh yeah you know at this point he was ready he was prepared yeah he wasn't it wasn't spur of the moment he had had time to build his faith, to fast, to be discerning, to be ready. He knew what he was going to do, and he had a uh, full assurity of his authority to do it. And at that point, the demonic spirits understood that. And so you look at that, and it's like, this is something that people need to understand. Um, Now, but you would be surprised how quickly God can get somebody ready. Oh, yeah. And as I continue with this story about this girl, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. You know, funny stuff, funny stuff. You would not think that deliverance ministry could actually produce humor. But it's amazing that it, it actually happens sometimes that way. Depending on your sense of humor, you can find, <laughs> you can find <laughs> something funny. Well, I remember in this, in this particular, with this particular girl, and, and she really stands out in my memory because of some of the stuff that went on. It was because, again, you have people who have no, they have no bias either way. You understand, because these people had been Southern Baptist and had become Pentecostal, they were no longer married to strict Southern Baptist dogma because it's like, you know what, we were wrong about this. Speaking in tongues is for today and and healing is for today and all of the moving of the gifts of the spirit, that's all for today. So, you know, they really didn't have any problem wrapping their minds around the idea that, you know what? Yeah, we weren't taught this where we were at that you, but it's like, it's in there with the tongues and with the healing and with, yeah. with the gifts. And they're in the and middle so of holding the lady. Like, we just, we thing. just don't, we yeah. just don't, just like a couple years ago, we didn't know what we know now. We just don't know this yet. Yeah. (laughs) But the funny thing about about the Baptists is they always want a scripture. They do. They they always want a scripture, which is and which is a good thing. It's It's a good good thing to have your uh, base. Because what happened was, and I try to remember if it was the following night or two following nights, but we knew that there was going to be a home Bible study in the home of one of the people who was in leadership there. And she was going to be there. And we were going to be prepared. And so everybody... I if she knew what she was walking into. Um, I, don't, I, remember... I don't know if she fully appreciated it. I don't think she did. Um, although we did uh, try to explain it to her. Um, because, and I'll explain some of this later... Um, Again, I she again she had no reference, and the problem is, and here's the thing about you got to understand. First of all, you never try to cast demons out 
of somebody who isn't saved. Yeah. First of all, they can't hold the ground. Secondly, when the spirits leave, they'll go into dry places, come back with seven more worse than themselves, and the end of that person will be worse than It's time. just a good idea to not do it. It's um, just really bad. Unless the Holy Spirit is directly leading you and yeah. you have that inward witness that this is what you need to do, don't do it because they can't hold the ground and they're worse off. Now, if the Holy Spirit is leading you directly to do this, then you can pretty much rest assured when you're done casting those things out that the person that person's going to get saved. But it's always best to operate depending on the amount of sometimes the demons have so much influence, they can't go through the actual process of the sinner's prayer and the, yeah. all of this sort of stuff. You have to get to a certain level to where they've actually got enough freedom to actually talk to, to talk and to confess Christ and to, repent of their sins and all that. So you, you, it's about following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's about discernment. So, and this girl, we had talked to her, it's like, do you really want to go through with this? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And it's like, are oh, you sure, sure you want to do this? Yeah, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And it's like, mm, are you sure about that? Yeah, it's one of those things because you ask him like ten times because this is serious. This isn't just like no, you're not playing here. No, this isn't. This isn't. A, this isn't fun and games. This is at the at the baseline. This stuff gets serious and real really quick. quick. Yeah, because between the time that basically, and this is something by the way, people need to remember. Again, if you have the time to prepare, you have the time to fast. You have the time to pray. You have the time to. Uh, anoint people with oil before they actually go into minister to pray prayers of protection to loose ministering angels and both important. before and after exactly angels are basically ministering spirits sent to minister to the heirs of salvation and let's be honest satan's not going to take being messed with his minions being messed with laying down no which is why the uh and and this was something that was neglected with this young lady um, afterwards, there should have been a prayer of protection given, which is why that night an apparition appeared to your mother in I her bedroom. Story. And you have heard that story. And it's like, okay, that's one of those things for the FYI gang. She likes to you, bring that up anytime I mention <laughs> deliverance, anything. She's always like, well, there was a story I need to tell you. I feel like you're at that age. I'm like, this is the 10th time you've told me, but sure, I'll go ahead. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, and, and so without going into all of that, the truth of the matter is you really want to do that. You want to make prayer. You protect you, you pray prayers of protection and all yourselves. You pray over your family. You pray over your home, your possessions, your basically anything pertaining to your life and the lives of those who basically are uh, engaged in ministering deliverance to whomever. Yeah. Uh, both before and after. I mean, this is just wisdom. Um, because basically you're going to war. Is exactly. What you're doing. And and Satan does not observe Marcus of Queenberry's rules. This I is know. this is this isn't one of the things, well, you know, it's more like professional wrestling. They will slug you outside the ring. If, yes. You know, and it's Satan like, is the manager and he will hit you with a chair <laughs> if he can get away with this. So so it's one of those things. It's like, no, it's 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 not like, you know, uh like like sport. So 
anyway, but she she claimed that she wanted deliverance. And um, so we, we ended up, the next, next meeting we had was a home Bible study. And the funny thing is, you know, there's like 15, 20 of us there, probably, probably about two dozen of us there actually. And she's there and you know what? I don't think anybody in that room could remember one thing from that Bible study in that, in that living room because honestly, all we're doing is we're watching this girl <laughs> out of the corner of our eye and I, we're thinking as soon as this is over, we're going to lay hands on this girl and we're going to pray for her. Personally, I would have hated to have been her in that moment. Like, think about that. Oh, that would have been a horrible feeling. You're just sitting there you're like, I wonder why everybody's looking at me. We'll see, you know, and everybody's being polite. It's always a cor- out of the corner of your eye. Be- but the idea that people had in that church was, we want her to be free. And she says she wants to be free. The people so we're going cared. to do, the people cared. They loved her. They wanted to minister to her. They wanted her to be free. She said she wanted to be free. They took her at her word. Yeah. And unfortunately, however, it turned out she didn't mean it. See, now that's an issue. And that's, <laughs> that is a huge issue. And But because they believed her, and we were there, and it's like we're kind of in a situation, they're going to do this. Yeah, it's like this is going to happen. And we know this is what needs to happen, although we're concerned about her. Her. But we're not, you know. And it might have been like in the moment. She was like, yeah, yeah. But then when it started happening, you're like, okay. Oh, well, we found out some stuff. Oh, this will be fun. Oh, this we found out some stuff. Um, we the, the meeting ended. And, of course, immediately, you know, we want to pray for this girl. Yeah. Now, the only people. I would have loved to have seen that one. Been like, anybody need prayer? No? Okay. Hey, how about you? You want to come over here? Now, you got to understand, the only people who know anything about deliverance are me and your mother and your grandmother. And all three of y'all were there. And we're all there. And there's only two other people that have learned anything. And that's the two people that two days earlier (laughs) helped your mother cast the demons out of this Girl. They peeled the hands Before, off of my mama's throat. That's as far as it went. That is amazing. And then you got the rest of the people in the room, and they're basically, you know, it, it, you got to remember, it, it, back in, in 30, 40 years ago, deliverance mystery was unfortunately not well known, and especially not well known throughout the body of Christ. And it comes to, and and for many people, unfortunately, it was a trial and error thing. Yeah. And I almost felt like it was the wild west of ministry, because honestly, people were still trying to figure out the rules. Well, no one knew and, what they were doing. And no there wasn't was there wasn't enough deliverance ministers out there that people could learn from and emulate in terms of of what they needed to do and understanding. Um, sadly, they are still not near as many as there should be. No. Sadly, many of the ones who were really the pioneers and broke the ground in, in, in deliverance ministry. And honestly, it became a real thing where you start seeing in the 70s and 80s um, a lot of deliverance ministry going on. But it had, was being shuttled to the back door by the 90s. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of it isn't being done now. Although, really, if you really look at it, 
any it, it really pretty much is is relegated to certain factions of the charismatic movement now and now and it's like behind closed doors yeah or they just take you off to a certain section now there are some who are charismatic and they will still do make the open show of of demonic spirits and like this is the deal which i'm all for i'm, and see, I'm down I with understand. that i understand both types where it's like because sometimes you might be in a meeting and someone's just manifesting and it's causing a disturbance and and you just got to deal with it and you got to deal with it and sometimes in those situations i've heard pastors be like we take them off to the side and we do that because it doesn't pertain to this meeting at this time and i'm like i understand that to a degree but i also agree that there needs to be that thing where it's like i don't want to say a show and tell but like there needs to be that too because some people could probably be like why is sister so-and-so leaving well the truth of the matter is, I, it comes down to the motivation. Yeah. If you're being led of the Holy Spirit in that way, way that's one thing. If it's just your standard operating, pos, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're standing operating procedure, yeah. that's another, because at that point you're just doing the formula. Yeah, you're and not you're not either. following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is sometimes that interruption in your service is for the express purpose. Of demonstrating yeah the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ over demonic spirits and in doing so building the faith of those yeah and then you have a teaching you have show-and-tell you show what needs to be done and you tell them how, why and the how it's one of those things where it's like you never hide a healing yeah. You never hide a salvation. You yeah. How many people say, well, we don't want to interrupt the flow of the service by praying for somebody to be healed? Yeah, it's like... Yeah, right. So back to the story, I guess. And where are we at? So, um, I would like to say this, though, before we get further. Like, There is a stigma for people who go through a deliverance yeah. uh, session. And I really don't want people to think that of the person. You know, because like you said, these people, they were side-eyeing her because they were like, looking, they're like, we're going to pray for her and something's going to happen. But they genuinely did care about, about this her. person. And that's something like, if you are someone who does struggle with something and you might, you know, think that, you need, like, you know, you need to find a genuine deliverance minister because it's like, I don't want to like. I just want basically people to like. You don't feel bad for the person who gets a he, who gets healed. You know what I mean? And you don't look down on them, like, oh, you were crippled and now you got now you're walking. You know, you don't look down on them. But it seems like people would probably do that in a deliverance. Let thing. me tell you something. People who are genuinely genuinely called to deliverance ministry. Yeah. And every believer who is called upon to minister in deliverance, as the situation requires you will find that those who are truly called to it have an extraordinary heart of love towards the people to whom they are ministering yeah and they have to because they have to have compassion on their suffering love for them as a human being a desire for them to be free because otherwise you wouldn't do deliverance ministry no it's not a glamour operation. It's not a made-for-television ministry. It's not, it's not something that plays good in the media. It's not going to win you a bunch of friends uh, in the churches. You're, you're not going to get a lot of invitations to speak out of it. Okay, 
but it's going to change dramatically the life and end the suffering of a lot of people who have gone through unimaginable mental, emotional, and many times physical um, uh, agonies that, that they didn't even know could ever end. Yeah. And so when you have that and you truly have that heart of love for people that wants to see the captive set free, that really is when you have the heart of Christ to these people, um, you don't sit in judgment over them because you know what? There but for the grace of God go any of us. Yeah. Anybody can get sucked in. Anybody uh, uh, can, you know, how people, that uncle and nephew, that nephew didn't ask for that spirit in his uncle or those spirits to move into him. It happened. He didn't even know what happened to him. Um, there are people that are, are, have done things, foolish things, but they just didn't know better. Yeah. And then there were people who did things when they were in sin mm -hmm. that they just did because they were in sin. But now they're in Christ and they need help. Exactly. And so it's one of those things. The truth of the matter is the body of Christ is to operate as a family. And you know what? When the time comes and one of your family is suffering, truly and deeply suffering, you set aside your judgmental attitude and you do what can be done to help them through. If they are willing to accept the help, if they're willing and need the help and want their lives to truly change, you do what you can do. That's the whole thing about it. And that's how the body of Christ is supposed to operate. And I wish more often did. So, yeah, well, I just wanted someone like if there was somebody listening and they've been struggling and they didn't even know that the term deliverance was a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, if somebody's listening to this, I just wanted them to at least be like, you know what? You're not going to be looked down upon. You're not going to be judged. Or being all like, you had to go through a deliverance ministry, you know, like I just didn't want that for someone who was listening. I don't know. But back to the story we were at, I think the meeting was just ending and everybody was like, who's yeah. ready? Like they did an oh, they, they did a call to prayer and they quickly shut it down. Like, hey, this person needs prayer. Well, and that's it. It's like, well, we would like to pray for this girl. And so what these folks want to do like i said they wanted to see her free and she told them she wanted to be free well we're there at the meeting we're going to help them to yeah. you know because we have to you know and again you really need keen discernment for this yeah and honestly there have been times since that i have actually been in situations where somebody wanted to be said that they wanted to be prayed for. Yeah. And it's like, that ain't going to happen. Because I remember one woman in particular, she basically came and she threw a, a mutual friend of hers and, and your grandmother's. Um, she was going, this woman was going to a local church. She was having some issues, etc., And the friend, the mutual friend, talked to her about deliverance. Well, she claimed that she wanted to be um, basically uh, 
us to pray for her. We figured out really quickly as soon as we were there, it's like we immediately discerned she wasn't looking to be free. In fact, her spiritual attitude was, was basically do it if you can. Mm. So and she, really she did cocky. not she did not say that, but the air was there. You could discern it yeah. on her. It's like she was not, you know She wasn't looking for it, but she was like, if you can do it's it. It's like, let's see if you can let's see if you can do this. And it's like, no, this isn't no. how this is gonna work. And it's like because we understand what the ramifications are, right? And we ran into that situation, you know, on occasion where somebody, you know, they say they want to be, but they really don't want to be. Once you've run into it once, yeah, it's you, like you it, can pr- you can pick you, it out. You figure it out really quickly. Um, but these people, like I say, they really wanted this girl to be free. We were the only ones there who knew anything about it. And um, and so everybody felt obligated to take her at a word. And so they began praying for her and. At which point um, there was manifestation, and honestly, it got pretty interesting with her having to be pinned to the floor. I mean, honestly, as you know now, when my younger days, I was not quite the brontosaurus you see before you (laughs) in size and weight, but I've always, since my teen years, I've always been over six foot two. And, you know, I, I have, have not been, you know, exactly a wisp in the wind, even in my thinner days. Um, but when it takes um, eight people uh, to hold down somebody who's becoming violent. Mm. Um, and when you're and and see, she's not speaking anymore. Oh, really? They are speaking. Mm. and it's like oh boy it's on Mm -hmm. um at which point you know what we did is we just started it's like it's like well what do you do and it's like well this is what the bible says yeah you know you cast out devils in the authority in the name of jesus christ and basically they have to go and they would manifest um at that point, a lot of people would do the thing, and there are two, there are two different divergence um, approaches to this. There are those who are of the um, ring their name out of them, and then take authority over their name with the name of Jesus Christ, because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. There is no name above the name of Christ. But once you know the name, you can directly command that specific entity to yeah. leave. Whereas then there's the other ones. It's like, you know what? Don't even bother with it. Just, Just go for it. it. But you know what? It's all about following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so it's like those things where people say, well, there's only one right way to pray for healing. No. Well, listen, you know, at one point, Jesus is laying hands on a blind man and he receives his sight. Other times he's rubbing mud in the guy's eyes yeah. and the guy starts receiving. Listen, it's one of those things where, you know what? As long as you're following the Holy Spirit. That's the important thing. And so I don't have an argument on either approach. No. The important thing is the result 
as long yeah. as you're following the Holy Spirit and the result is the result, then that's fine. Yeah. And so I don't get into these splitting arguments where weeds. basically it's like, well, it's only right if you do it like this. Yeah. You know, it's like, no. Um, it's right if you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And they get set and free. And they get set free. That's yeah. the bottom line. So, but at any rate, the uh, methodology that was being used in that meeting was basically those things would manifest. Um, they would be commanded to basically give their name uh, in, the, in the name of Jesus. Once they had manifested and given their name, then they would be cast out um, basically one after the other. Now, the humor part I mentioned earlier. You understand, this is a meeting in somebody's home. And the funny thing about this is, again, these people are like six months away from your quiet, traditional Baptist church in Alabama. Well, there's like these three guys. One is the son of the couple who actually, I, I want to say that they were the, um, one worked at a Bible bookstore. One, one basically was at, uh, uh, was I think related to the, the couple that actually was hosting the Bible study. And then there was another one. Uh, the one of them, one of them actually lived there. Well, they were not among the ones that were previously with your mother at the yeah. church there. This they was saw all what new. they were saw. They 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 saw what was going on. They booked. Really, they left. They, well, no, they didn't leave. Oh, they ran to his bedroom, jumped in the bed, and pulled up the covers. How now, these, old are these people? Um, let me think. I want to like, say. Well, they were about. They were in their early twenties. They were college age guys. Okay, I can't say nothing. I'll probably leave too. But yeah. So now, say, if they were older now than the me, funny I'll thing think. is, you know, these demons manifest. We're holding this this girl down because, I mean, demonic people are very strong. You need to understand that. Yeah, you, they're not like average. It's not like just a normal. Like if you have a five foot two, hundred and something pound chick, she can fight back like she's a six foot eight dude. Seriously, demonic strength is a thing it's crazy but if you're under the anointing you you know so we're we're holding her down and we rotate well yeah because you get tired and and you want to make sure that that you're doing this so anyway um <laughs> i'm not in among I, I rotate out and i walk back there with a couple of others and i see these three guys in the bed and it's like seriously the funny part is they're there, they're in the bed, and because they, you know, I'm there, their covers are down under their chin, the three of them. <laughs> now, directly above the bed is a poster of a close-up of the Three Stooges. Goodness. Irony. It couldn't get any funnier than that because there's this picture of the close-up of the Three Stooges, and then there's these three guys laying in the bed there with the covers pulled up to their chin, basically terrified of what happened. Now, now the that is crazy. Now, again, these guys are terrified. Before the end of the evening, 
they're out of the bedroom, they're in the rotation, and one of them is openly challenging the girls who has a demon manifest. Now that's awesome. That now see, that's the thing about it. You come out and you see what's going on. And this is the thing about open demonstration. Yeah. Because too much of the backroom deliverance ministry means that people stay in fear. They're afraid of what happens when the devil manifests and they never get to see the victory that the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit brings, delivers to that person. And so as they saw the demons being cast out one after the other, it's like, you know what? We can do this thing. You start getting that adrenaline and in this case, the anointing starts hitting you. The yeah. Holy Spirit starts moving, and then you're like, you know and then what? you get holy boldness, and then you just start taking on a whole legion of demons. You're like, I'll take them all out. Um, you get that? I'm gonna go out, go fight hell. Uh, go, was it? You're gonna go to hell with a water gun, and you're like, I'll take you all out. You get that kind of boldness, basically. And so you have this situation where, well, and that's the thing about it, because the real, the really interesting thing is, people think that you need to be some great, experienced, mighty, you know, knowledgeable man or woman of God to you fast basically, 20 out of the 30 days, you know, and, you, but these are people who basically didn't know anything. anything. That's like when we mentioned the Tartarus thing, it's like Baptist got to have a scripture. Yes. And I, it's like, okay, one of these guys is like, wait a minute. It's like, I know this scripture. I know it's in there. Yes. You know, and he goes and he finds the scripture and it's like, yeah, that's a thing. Wait, in, the middle, a, like, okay. in yes, the middle? Yes, I this, am actually teaching. <laughs> I am actually teaching them theology in the middle of the deliverance session. So she's screaming out profanities in different voices, having 17 dudes have to hold her down. And you're over there being like, now in Mark chapter 5, you know. <laughs> it, it's like, and it's, it's funny, you know, because there's half a dozen people holding her down. A couple others that are, others are standing around praying and interceding during yeah. the time period and commanding those things to come up. And I'm basically, you know, I'm <laughs> over here with a Bible and I got about three or four of them over here. And I'm basically teaching them what as we doing? do this. Like... She said Tartarus, and this is why we said Tartarus. And this is why it is, and this is what it is, and this, and so you're actually it's on the job training, and that so is a funny way to put it, but yeah, and it really is, and so it, and because that's the way it was, a lot of times back then, a lot of people because uh, we live in a rural area, yeah, it's not like we were near, you know, a lot of ministries that you know if if you know, a lot of times in Alabama if you wanted to. You know, there were ministers in Birmingham. There might be some in Mobile, uh, you know. But they were but in, they were in a lot of them in larger cities. Yeah, you had to go to. Like you planned your day yeah. around it, Yeah, especially back then. Yeah, a lot of people ha- traveled for distances. Some people would try to get to certain deliverance ministers. They would drive halfway across the country. Yeah, and I that's mean, sad that that's how that is. And, and because it, there was so few. back to that. Scripture where it's like the harvest is plentiful, but the uh, the labors. but the labors are, f- are few. Yeah, so so very so true. So back to the, so you're praying for and all that, and it's at this point the guys are challenging the yeah. the three students are challenging the chick now uh, the demons exactly, 
And so they're basically in, and there's progress being made, and here's the thing about it. So what, this is what, and I, and I do this because this is a really instructive story. Yeah. Because there's so much going on in it that is good for, for teaching here. Um, like the thing about the apparition that yeah. <laughs> manifested in your, uh, to your mother afterwards, like this is an object lesson, learn from this. Yeah. And this is this, learn from this. And see, as long as you learn from it, it's well, not wasted. It. No, it's never wasted if, if, you're, uh, if, if God is teaching you through this. So we went through a lengthy deliverance uh, session with him. I remember one of the guys, he actually, um, and, and this is something... <laughs> You should be aware that basically demon, uh, demonically possessed people can spit with incredible accuracy. It's, okay. like, the, it's like they put I a scope on it. I, I still remember there was this, there was this, uh, there was a demon that manifested and this girl's on the floor and she's being pinned down and she is like flat on her back. And this thing is speaking in, you know, I mean, deep voice, you know. And Obviously so, not hers, and and it's like, and so it's like, it manifests, and it basically it's like it's a name, and it gave a name. Well, the name is actually a biblical name, mm-hmm. and this guy is standing at her feet. She's flat her back. He's standing at her feet. Yeah, and he said that name means, and he gave the meaning of it. And actually, the the name it means uh, well. Spitter. The name <laughs> was the name was actually uh, I want to I'm thinking it was Malachi. Oh, okay. Was the name that it identified itself as, and he said that word means messenger. Whose messenger are you? Ooh. And at Ooh. that point, it's <laughs> and it's like basically, um, like and it basically did- challenged him. It's like, who do you think you are? And it's like, uh, I'm a born again Christian, you know, you know, and it's like, and, and basically it challenged him to come closer. Well, he steps about three inches closer from a Lang's position. She spit and hit him, or rather it spit through her and hit him right in the forehead. Out of him. Now, that's when you, you turn if even. you. It, it, it's when you turn heathen for like two seconds. I, I don't <laughs> give out the names of people in these stories because, oh, no, you know, without because... permission. But you know this individual. Yes. And so if you know this individual, I mean, his reaction is like, oh, baby, it's <laughs> on now. You know, it's like, oh, you don't you don't you don't even think you wanted to do that. You were right back. The, it's he, like, uh, yeah. And he and grabs it, a chair. and it's, <laughs> Well, see, and that reminds me. I like how he didn't go, and because you would assume like it gave a biblical name like Malachi. You're like, okay, now is this lying? I like how he went to the name meaning. He goes, that means messenger. Who you messenger of? And that thing freaked out because did not like it. Did not like being called on it. And so indeed, and see that's the thing. The 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 thing about deliverance ministry is if we can just get beyond the religiosity. That was the thing. Because these people had been Baptists turned Pentecostals, they were so open. They were like, well, Whatever God, what's ever in the Bible, what's ever in the New Testament, whatever Jesus did, go for it. Just do it. And so, and and if it's in the Bible, we're going to go for it. It reminded me of something that happened in the mid-90s. The church that 
your grandmother and I attended at the time, Pentecostal Church started experiencing a youth revival. Yeah. And what happened was there was a new ministry had just come on in the in in the pre in in that year, and he was preaching, and somebody had invited some kids from the projects. Yeah. In from the next town. And they start going there. Well, they start getting saved. These kids had been drinkers and druggies and yeah. partiers, but they were as radical when they got saved for the Lord because they're just newly saved. They don't know anything. It's all new and awesome. Yeah, they have just experienced Christ. They're experiencing the Holy Spirit. They don't know anything. But they know. Because they don't have churchy backgrounds. Yeah. So, but whatever is God, they're good with it. Well, one night they're at a gathering because they're not partying anymore. So they're just gathering now. Yeah. And just hanging together at one of the, you know, one of the places where one of them lived. There's like a dozen of them. Well, there was a full on demonic manifestation there. And it wasn't a demon that was in somebody it was a demon that showed up oh okay so the demon just this full-fledged demon shows up and he's like what happened to my people and so um and and uh, you know i'm not sure because i don't didn't know those involved well enough to know it's like hmm wonder why that happened because obviously you know it's like (laughs) apparently it's one of those things if you tweak the devil it was important it, enough. It was important enough that that demon was going to show up to send a message. Well, yeah. this one old boy, he's he's just newly saved like less than a month. Well, his background is if somebody gets in your face, you you smack them in it. Yeah. Okay. And his deal was, you want a piece of me? And he basically leaped the couch going after this demon. Okay. Now, you have to understand... I so this guy sees a demon. Yeah, and this he, guy he he's in, doesn't know it's a demon though. Oh no, he they understood it was a demon. They understood really? that. They and, understood, and he his first thought was, "I'm gonna tackle it." Uh, it's like I'm gonna beat the snot out of this thing. Not, now he didn't understand about you know the how but, you do spiritual warfare and yeah and and, and, and having your was, pro- your have, proof text spirit uh, scriptures and all that. All he thought was, "I got a knife and some hands, and I'll throw them both." Well, see, all he knew was, because this is how he lives. It's like if somebody comes to attack you, you hit first. It's on. Yeah. And his deal was, you know what? He just reacted the way he knew to react. And it's like, I'm going to leap this couch and I'm going to get a hold of you and I'm going to beat you down, Bubba. <laughs> it's Goodness. Like, now, see, I have to tell you, I thoroughly love that because it's not the, it may not be the correct approach. But Lord, it is the best spirit of boldness. Yeah. It's like, I ain't afraid of no demon in hell. I will take your uh, butt and I will stomp you. And it's like, and, and, and if he had had the knowledge oh, to yeah. go with his zeal and, 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 and boldness, it's like, oh, it would have been, in it would have been, hurt. there would have, yeah. So I would have loved to have seen just but that. But it did not stay. Yeah. No. Because it's like, 
He's probably went back to hell and Satan's like, did you tell them? He goes, it jumped at me. It's like, they weren't scared. He's like, he had a knife. They, they wanted, they, he, they, I could see that whole conversation. It's like, they, they're not afraid. They want to fight. I could see the whole conversation. The devil's like, why are you back? He goes, he had a knife. It looks scary. And he's like, you know, you're a demon, right? Yeah, but he jumped at me. But these were, that's the thing. You get these people that don't have religiosity. They don't have. Uh, they're not churchified. Yeah, they're not. They're they're not afraid because they've seen the harder side of life. Yeah, they've seen. They've been through the mill and they know what so it's honestly, like. Seeing the demons, probably so nothing. basically, it's like you know what? A lot of these people, it ain't no scarier to them than things they've already seen in their lives. That's sad. And man. so, but they're incredibly but so bold. Funny. Yeah, if you can get these people before they get churchified, yeah. you've got the potential for some extraordinary ministry. Now, it's going to be messy. There is nothing like no. new believers to actually, and I have to tell you, I love ministering to new believers. Yeah. Because it is so fun. First of all, they they aren't jaded. They're not taking it for granted. No, everything is new and fresh to them, so they really and appreciate fun. it, and they're and they're excited and they're and, and they're bold and they're passionate. Them. Yeah, and you just tell them, and then they'll almost go before you're done telling them. Exactly, um, and so it, it's one of those things that you know, and I like that. But these guys were in this in this deliverance session. They were just they went from hiding in a bed. Yeah. To challenging demonic entities right there on the spot within like 30 minutes. That's awesome. And yeah. And, and I think the problem is in churches, we sell the body of Christ short. Yeah. Because we are so concerned about losing the crowd or somebody being offended or what is the community going to think about us that we lose the heart of Christ and the need to actually minister to people in ways that matter yeah, and not just lip service it. And Christians in the pews need to see the victory that's in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? And they actually need to participate in it, if at all possible. Yeah. And so because if they ever run into the situation they need to know that sometimes if you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you to run into the battle and not away from the battle. Exactly. And so, and, and in fact, most times it will be into the battle. But when you go into the battle and it's led by the Holy Spirit, there will be victory. You're the anointing there and you need to see it demonstrated that we are always victorious through Jesus yeah. Christ. And the battle is the Lord's and he will be with you. And so we, we did that. We did a long deliberate session. And then it was decided, you know what, we need to continue this again. Yeah. Um, did it in increments. Yeah. You incrementally do this. And what you have to do is many times in order to get people, especially when you've got somebody that's seriously demonically possessed, it, it's best to bind spirits. Yes. Because... Because that holds off some and exactly. lets you deal with the one at hand at the moment. You know? Yes. And one of the things that people learn in deliverance ministries is you really need to bind the spirits so as to immobilize their ability to use that person physically. Yeah. And this is one of the things that 
you know, it was still the learning process for most people there. And, and so, uh, so y'all go into the next, uh, the next session and, and, uh, she continued to tell everybody that, that she wanted to ready. be free. She wanted to be free, etc. Yeah. Um, she get, she got concerned because a lot of these things have been in her a long time. Yeah. And it's like, I remember at one point we got to one that she didn't want to let go of. Ooh, that's weird. I mean, she was very attached to this thing. And it's like, wait a minute. And it's like, everybody needs to put on the brakes. Yeah. Because everybody, everybody has, has, has in good faith. And this is why discernment is so keen. Yeah. Um, you know, these are the things you learn. Sadly, a lot of times in you the lack, it, because deliverance ministry hasn't been demonstrated as it should. These are things that I've learned, that your grandmother's learned, that your mother's learned. These are things that we've seen that, and, and, and such. Sadly, there was nobody to teach us. Yeah. There was nobody to demonstrate from us. We had to learn and these people had to learn. And it's like, it's unfortunate that sometimes it's a, it's a messy process it's, to it, learn. It, it, yes. It shouldn't when, be that way. But when no one teaches, but and no when one talks we about hit it. that, yeah, when nobody, when it, when it becomes the unspoken ministry of the church, yeah, then which becomes, happen. which makes it no ministry of the church. Yeah. Then it becomes an issue. And we reached a point where basically with this girl, it's like, we were always like, wait a minute, she's got something. It's like, she doesn't want rid of this thing. Yeah. We did not understand at the time the degree of demonic activity that was going into this girl. She had actually developed, and and I don't know, we never did find out exactly how she became so open to this, but she had a demonic entity in her that had a name, okay? And under that name, she called a minister in Florida who was a married man that she was obsessed with that she barely knew or at least that thing in her was obsessed with and would tell him his sins. Goodness. And make threatening phone calls to him that she would expose him. Well. To his wife and to uh the church down there that he was uh in ministry in now now understand she wasn't in florida no she didn't know what he was doing she didn't she could not have known what he was doing but what was in but the demonic entity in her knew what he was doing yeah however it was connected with whatever was going on in this minister's life. Um, the thing in her knew. So this was a thing where she was making these phone calls to this guy down there. Under the influence of that. And, and apparently quite happily. Ugh. And so she was doing some really dark stuff. And... 
because she had a thing for this guy down in Florida. Hmm. Um, or it did, and she couldn't tell the difference. That's not good. She did not want to be free. And that's when we slammed on the brakes but hard. Uh, because at this point, it's like, you know what? Any ministry redo to this girl is going to cause more damage. It's going to cause be more harm than help. It's going to cause more damage. Yeah. It's like, no, no, absolutely no. And we put on the full-on brake. Yeah. Which is as soon as, if you ever discern that somebody is not truly willing to let go, to go the full route. Yeah. Then you slam on the brakes and you slam them on hard. And you just stop. You stop. Because until that person has reached the point where they're willing to go the full route, Jeez. you don't take them the full route. You don't force it because you... There's uh, no point. There's no point in it. Because they don't want to. No. They don't want to be free. It's going to do more them more harm than good. It's... it's no. Um, and for the people in that church... Not surprisingly, she didn't remain there very long. Yeah. Um, because everybody in the church knew that, that, you know, the demon activity that was going on in her, and she didn't want to be free of it. Yeah. And so um, she didn't stay, obviously. Uh, and and that's, uh, that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy for her. Yeah. Um, because... It, it's not like that she got the guy. Yeah. Um, it's not like that, you know, and that's the sad thing. She she ended up being the servant of these things. The thing that's sad is that she got so far into it and then just yeah. stopped at this one thing that she just couldn't let go, which to me, I'm like, I guess I'm just hardwired a little different where I'm like, if you're going through this process, just hit it all the way. It doesn't matter how embarrassing or messed up it is. Just if I'm if I wasn't in her spot, I'd been like, just we just got to go all the way. It doesn't matter how much it hurts. Just do it because the freedom is so much more important and better. It's a better feeling. See now, in terms of of doing it incrementally, it has to do with how a person be, was how the demo, uh, entities were granted access yeah um if you have a thing like the nephew and uncle i talked about yeah that was a generational thing you can actually go whole hog and just clean house in yeah. a situation like that um you know if if you understand that that's what's going on if you have a situation where a person has dealt with um, various emotional traumas yeah, and, and situations like that, then what you have to do is you have to minister deliverance, but then you have to pause the deliverance sessions many times and minister to the emotional hurts and the yeah. traumas in order to heal them. Because it's like you cast out the demonic entities that are a result, but then you've got to move in 
and minister emotional and psychological healing. Yes. And then you can move to the next group of demonic entities, cast them out, then deal with the emotional, mental healing that is needed for that thing. And, and it's a it, matter of stages that have to process. be gone through. It, it really is. Um, the end result is so worth it. It really is. And, it, and it's worth it, it, it's if people will stick it out, if they will, if they will stay with it. Um, what happened with this girl is she loved the certain entities and she didn't want to give them up. What she didn't like was all the other ones that came in as a result. Yeah. And it had gotten to the point where the other ones were making her miserable and she wanted rid of the ones that made her miserable. Yeah. She didn't want rid of the ones that she liked. Yeah. And, and in this, this is, thing, you don't cherry pick. You're either getting rid of all of them or you're getting rid of like none of them. Yeah. It's an all or nothing proposition. And so um, it was a sad thing. Um, but it has been a situation where in other situations we've learned you know, you immediately discern this person does not want to be set free. Yeah. Um, we're not even going to bother unless they really hit rock bottom and are truly repentant and truly want to be free. We're not going there. No. Um, other people, it's like we need to go there, but we need to go there in stages. Yeah. Because they need healing, uh, psychological, emotional healing as well. And then there's the ones where it's like, you know what, we can go in, we can do this whole hog. Yeah. And so once you do that, you know, you, you learn it's again, thank God. I think we're at, or we, let me put it this way. We should be at a stage where we can actually do this thing without the many times what has been in, in the past trial and error for many people. Yeah. Um, I'll, where it has to be the learning curve where, you know, it's always best if you can basically get with somebody who's actually done this before, yeah. who actually understands it, who's been through the process. And many times the most effective people are ones who have already went through deliverance themselves. Oh yeah. Because it's like when people who have been received a, a major healing and understand and have experienced the reality of that healing when they lay their hands on you and they pray it's different it's different there is no doubt there is no confusion there is an anointing there oh yeah that people who have not experienced it often do not have the same thing with people who have been through various deliverances they lay their hands on you they start taking authority it's not a it matter is different it is a and thing I feel like even the demons would re will recognize they're like this ain't right this is different it's like it's like you know because they know the ones they've lost yeah um and they know um they know how this is going to end so yeah honestly um that and that's something that people need to understand because you were talking about how people react in churches to people who've experienced deliverance. Yeah. 
once these people are delivered, we need to understand that they have the potential to be your best deliverance ministers. Exactly. They're the people that you hold on to because it's like there are there are deliverance churches that are made up of people who are uh, staffed by nothing more than the people who had demons cast out of them exactly. who came to those churches needing help desperately got the ministry got the deliverance and god called them to stay and be part of it so that they could pa uh they could pass on the same freedom yeah that they had experienced it's like when you truly get saved you want everybody else to get saved when you get healed you want everybody else to get healed when you get delivered you want everybody else to be delivered and that's how it should be it is how it should be and and so um yeah that was that was uh let's see sharing those two stories the one about the the group of kids from the projects and then the one about that girl those are two that um i think basically are good especially the one because although the tragedy of it is that she would not see it through. Yeah, but that's not on the people who did it. That was on the person deciding they didn't want it done. Well, the only failure is the failure to discern. Yes. That is the only thing that's on, um, on those who, and that's why discernment is discernment so important discernment and deliverance go hand in hand there are times and places and the problem is people sometimes get a revelation yeah of deliverance but what they don't get a revel is they don't have the spiritual maturity or they don't have to understand what they need to do with it yeah it's like they understand the reality of it but they don't know how and that's why we're talking about this because we just need a conversation started. Yeah, people need to understand it's real. These are the kind of things that happen. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. There are things that manifest in deliverance ministry depending on what the person is into. There are people who levitate. Yeah. There are people who, as we've talked about, insane strength. Uh, people who, you know, uh, where... Yeah, the accuracy of a sniper... <laughs> when it comes to spinning at you. Um, but like I said, this is just something that needs to be even, it just needs to be a conversation. It's just a conversation that needs to be started. Yeah, it it's really It's a conversation does. that's been pushed to the side. Um, but since we're going to go ahead and start winding this episode down. Sure. Because we've already talked about the different stories. Is there any last minute things that you feel like needs to be shared about the deliverance ministry itself? Personally, I feel that in the very near future, we're going to start seeing deliverance ministry coming more and more to the forefront. Um, as a result, it will be controversial because Christ's casting out of demons was one of the things that he was most vehemently criticized for particularly by religious types. And, you know, the servant is no greater than his master. But I really do believe that there is a radical move of the Spirit coming, and we're going to see deliverance um, being brought to the forefront um 
it's going to be in churches where it was never part of the ministry program. Uh, you know, it's like here is our here is our menu of choices. Yeah. You know, you you want your was, a la carte uh, ministries, and and maybe at the bottom of it, you know, there there might be a, a, a small a, print a, of deliverance. Yeah, a, a small as the head of a pen, and it's like, but it's it, it's going to be serious deliverance. And we're going to see extraordinarily um, profound changes in people's lives. And the people who experiences these deliverances are going to, (laughs) it's going to be astounding the changes that people are going to, because we've talked about how a lot of these people got involved with various things. And it's really going to be a lot of times you're going to see these Saul to Paul conversions. Yeah. Where sometimes it's the last person you would have ever thought. Yeah. Would have come to Christ. I mean, people that it's like, I can't not believe that person. Yeah. Is now a deliverance minister. A a Christian. Yeah. And and now a deliverance minister. I mean, it's going to be one of those things where I think people are going to be shocked um, by what God does and the degree of it, the magnitude of it. And sometimes I think they're going to be absolutely stunned by the people who are going to be profoundly changed uh, by it. I'm looking forward to it. I've honestly thought that because I've never experienced deliverance. I've never, uh, all, all I know of deliverance is stories and what I've read in books, mm-hmm. but it's always been a ministry. That's, I don't know why, but God's always put it on me where it's like, this is important. Yeah. I mean, besides the fact that besides the everything <laughs> for reasons as to why it's important, but it's always been something that's been on me. And I do agree with you. I do feel like it's a ministry that's been put to the back for too long that it's about to come to the forefront. And honestly, I do agree. I feel like it's going to be interesting to see who all uh, heads heads up those ministries. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think we're in for a time where it's going to be interesting that because one of the things that concerns me is we've lost so many deliverance ministers who yeah. went on to be with the Lord. Well, I mean, yeah, I just, the deliverance after, ministries of the 70s and 80s, a lot of these a people, lot of people were already in their like 40s or sometimes 50s. Exactly. And they went to be uh, with the Lord. And many times nobody took up the mantle. No. But there are mantles waiting and God's got candidates that he's calling and many of them have no idea what God has in store for them, but it's going to be a wild ride. It will be. And I'm really excited to see what, to see just to see where God takes them. Cause that's going to be fun in my opinion. Indeed. All right. And we're going to end. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you want to stay up to date on all things regarding the show, please follow our Instagram page at voice in the wilderness underscore podcast, or check out our Facebook page at voice in the wilderness. We also have a YouTube channel called voice in the wilderness. So please subscribe to it. Follow me on all the social media. If you're listening to this on a streaming service that allows you to follow me, please do that. If you're listening to this and they allow reviews or something like that, please leave me a review. Every little bit helps. Thank you so much for all your support.